Are you sick and tired of hearing Chicago Bears football talk? Well, you are in luck. We have the cure for that. Mitch, this is the most non-Bears podcast you'll find. We're talking high school football. We're talking the good stuff you want to hear about. None of the negatives. Let's get into some positive high school football talk here. Talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome into View from the West podcast, the non-Chicago Bears podcast. We're talking Illinois high school football on the western side of the state of Illinois. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong, and I'm joined, as always, by a Bears fan, but not today. Not tonight. We're not, we're not talking Chicago Bears. We're moving right along. We're getting into high school football, Mitch. You're a Morrison Mustangs fan is what you are. That's right, but I feel like we do have to issue a mea culpa here, um, and on behalf of Edgy Tim as well, because in the preview, uh, one of the preseason episodes we did we put the over under on bears wins at eight and while that's while that's still possible it's not really that possible so no we uh we do apologize for giving false hope there for the bears because that's just (laughs) anemic franchise only rivaled by the Bengals at the moment so um i'm kind of surrounded by terrible football in the pro ranks yeah well mitch but your morrison mustangs they look good they got a huge matchup coming up so like i said on the view from the west podcast we're focused on the positives here. Mitch, before we get into it, we know who we got to thank. Yeah, tonight's episode is brought to you by our friends at Breedlove Sporting Goods, Western Illinois' premier sporting goods store for uniforms, apparel, equipment, awards, and online team stores. They provide all the same sporting goods services the big nationwide companies do, but with a faster turnaround, and their uniform pricing is a fraction of the cost you're probably used to. They offer names such as Adidas, Under Armour, and Nike, and are extremely responsive with inquiries. With a primary focus on the western side of the state of Illinois, Breedlove Sporting Goods is the fastest way to outfit your team. Check them out on Facebook or at breedlovesports.com or shoot Cal Breedlove an email at calbreedlove at gmail.com for more information. We love our sponsorship with Breedlove Sporting Goods. We thank them for supporting us. If you'd like to support the pod, if you'd like to support what we do here, show a little love for high school athletics, You can easily support us by going to PayPal. Search View From The West. You can head to paypal.me slash viewfromwestpod. We would appreciate any support you could give along the way to help us here. Any support you can give, we would always appreciate it. Well, Mitch, let's jump right into week six, the game we talked a lot about on the Instant Reacts podcast. Of course, we'll plug the Instant Reacts podcast it was a full boat the other night. Yep. We had, you know, you and I were on there. We had the guys from the score stocking Dazzo Cuffler. We also had Kyle Campmeyer from NUICfootball.com. One of the big games we talked about, maybe the biggest game we talked about, Sterling and Geneseo. Sterling gets the upset win, 13-3. to You know, I say upset because Geneseo's been playing so well. Now, Sterling yep. has had their number in years past. But this year, it really looked like it was Geneseo's turn, and Sterling does a great job defensively. They're able to slow down Geneseo. What a game. Came down to the final seconds of the game. Geneseo faced a fourth and six with under 15 seconds left. 
They were down at that point just by, I believe, what, four points? They were down 7-3. Yep. So they were down 7-3. They got to punch it into the end zone. They go to Jaron Neal. He gets the edge. Looks like he's about to get to the edge and get to the goal line. But he is comes up just short. The, the game-saving tackle by Kale Lettergerber. What a play. What a phenomenal finish capped off by all Geneseo or all Sterling has to do is you know, run out the clock. Well, they do it in style. Joseph Holcomb runs 99 yards as time expires. I, and I was texting back and forth with some people who were at the game. And, you know, they said, I don't know if Joseph Holcomb needed to run all those yards. Maybe he should have went down, but he was looking around. He saw no one oh. was near him. Mitch, you're already shaking your head. You know, you're going to run that. Oh, in. No, you no, you, you go until you're touched. That's for sure. So <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, an exciting finish to a really good game. Um, and just, just to back up a little bit, you know, Sterling's coming off that loss to Princeton, a game where they really got the game kind of taken to them. And then on the other side, you have Geneseo that had came, came into this game undefeated. And so, yeah, we, we thought that despite Sterling historically having Geneseo's number, that this was a year that Geneseo was going to break it. Um, and, and there could be some, some reasoning behind that, you know, not, not to speculate on, on any health of any player, but you know, this, this was a game that Sterling really stepped up in, in a time when they needed to coming into the game at two and three, they really have to make a significant run here in the last couple of weeks. Um, and, and yeah, to, to come up with that big stop, it was close enough that the Geneseo sideline thought that they scored and the refs were a little bit indecisive on if he got in, if he didn't, took a couple seconds so there's just a lot of suspense but yes the Sterling defense comes up and then as you mentioned Holcomb just they take a shotgun snap and there is no one in the middle of the field takes off and on that run doubled their offensive output up until that point in the game so this was just a defensive battle between two really really good defenses um you know Sterling had scored on a, on a pass play to, to open up the scoring and again that that last play there at the end so a great, a great win for Sterling to remain unbeaten in the Western Big Six and sets Geneseo back just a little bit, but there, there's a lot of time left for them to get to get things right. Uh, we have a little historical perspective here. Matt Gingrich okay. weighed in to let us know that Joseph Holcomb is actually not the first Sterling player to have a 99-yard touchdown run against okay. Geneseo. Okay. So back okay. in 1997, Jake Rodriguez did the same thing. It was in a losing effort, but it has happened before, um, you know. So there you go. Uh, almost tying history, I guess you'd say, for the longest run. So it, it has happened once before. And Mitch, you kind of referenced it, but A.J. Weller did not play a majority of the second half in this one. So certainly hope for the best for him and hope that it's something that was short term and that he'll be back in you know, next week and moving down the way. He's been such an impact player and fun to watch that you want to see him on the field for sure. Yeah, exactly. And what I don't, what I didn't mean when I said that to take anything away from Sterling, because they still were, were holding the Geneseo offense really in check in that first half. So I don't want to take anything away from the Sterling win. It's just that, as you mentioned, AJ Weller has had such a fantastic season for this Geneseo, this Geneseo team. And to not have him is, is you're playing from behind at that point. So yeah, we do hope for the best for him. We don't, we don't know anything about the injury, so we hope to see him back this week. Yeah, just so overall, just to kind of put a cap on this, really great effort by that Sterling defense. You know, I just really impressed with, you know, 
the scheming that they had, and they were ready to step up to the challenge and really stuff the run and really stop what Geneseo was going to try to do. And just, you know, it's it's a Geneseo team that's obviously played really well this year. I mean, I, I thought that, um, you know, behind Quincy, I, I think they're clearly the second best team in the big six. And now that becomes maybe a bit of a question after this victory by Sterling. So what an effort yeah. by them and a game that they really need. You know, it's, it's, it's a game that was huge for Sterling. When you start looking down the way, they're sitting at three and three overall right now, but they're three and zero in conference play. So right. huge win for them. Yeah. And it is a, a cool note in a post game interview with, with Ty Reynolds from coach Slummer. He, he gave a lot of credit to, Donovan Burrow and the Sterling scout team kids who really put got, put the game plan together and helped get them ready for this, gave them the look throughout the week that they really needed to see to, to really prevail. So I uh, love that quote, love to give the shout out to the guys behind the scenes, especially those scout team kids, you know, maybe not the names that always get in the newspapers or on the podcast, but play a pivotal part in preparation. So shout out to the Sterling scout team for getting the guys ready. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, it takes everybody, you know, a solid win, a win like that. It takes the whole program, you know, to buy in and to really, you know, I guess, buy into what the program wants to do or what the team needs to do to get the job done. So really cool. Mitch, before we finish this Sterling talk, though, we need to uncover the mystery of who is Amazon admin? (laughs) In my house, it's my wife. Yeah, Yeah, me too, actually. So, okay. So on the Instant Reacts podcast, Cuff was reading off some of the names and the plays, the impact plays from the game. And at one point he referenced the um, wide receiver who hauled in Drew Nettleton's touchdown pass on a fourth down in the second quarter as Amazon admin. And even at the time, did you hear him say it? Because I heard it. And I kind of was like, I did a double take. Like, what did he say? Like, right. So he yeah, says, I, 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 it was one of those things where like you heard it and then you questioned if you actually heard it, like well, maybe you weren't paying attention or something. And you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> and I'll be honest, you know, when we go through this podcast every week, how many names do we read off? I mean, each week right. alone, it's, it's, you know, somewhere maybe close to a hundred names that we, yep. that we read. So I never want to question a name, you know, you never know what, what right. kids are named. So, so Amazon admin out there in the world somewhere. Sure. You could be. So anyway, I heard it and I thought, I, I don't know what that, I don't know what that is, but maybe that is the name. I've never heard of him, certainly. Well, it comes to, I come to find out that a beat reporter there tweeting the game, live tweeting the game. Ty Reynolds. Did, he, did, okay, yes, it was Ty Reynolds. He did, he did tweet out that Amazon admin was the wide receiver who caught the pass. <laughs> so clearly t- Cuff took it from him. I'm guessing this was a victim of autocorrect. Yeah. I would think that this was, yeah, yeah. we were Had fooled it. by autocorrect here. So to set the record straight, it was Mason Eamon who caught the pass from Drew Nettleton. Huge play in the game, by the way. That was oh, you yeah. know a huge score from Sterling at the time on a fourth down going to the air and, and a beautiful pass, pass and catch. So congratulations yeah. to Mason, not Amazon. It's a great, it's a great nickname if you wanted to adopt one. Amazon admin Mason Eamon. I mean, <laughs> that's, right. that's right. If it is, if it is not autocorrect, it's probably not the first time it's happened. So, yep. So there we go. Thank you to thank you to Ty Reynolds for live tweeting, of course, yep. and for keeping us on our toes there. And uh, you know, so right. and I will and I will say that I have also been a victim of uh, you know autocorrect on Twitter, where once you hit send, oh, yeah. it's like you know it's already out there, and you kind of 
you know, you keep, especially when you're live tweeting a game and you just keep right. going on to the next thing and you don't realize what happened. So uh, in, in the, in the, in the embattled history of Twitter, how they've never had an edit button is that's true. Me. Yeah, that's true. Can you get it? Can you edit tweets now? If you have the little blue check mark, you think I pay for Twitter? No. I'm not saying you do. I'm, I'm no. asking. <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. Well, we'll never find out because we're not going to pay for it. So <laughs> unless, unless we get enough support from, you know, from our generous supporters out there, when they email, when they send us money on PayPal. Anyway, all right, let's go down the way. Rock Island gets their first win of the season, 24-14 over United Township. Rocks get back-to-back pick six, including a 98-yard return from Gartar. That kid's exciting to watch. And, yeah. you know, another great play from him. And it's in a victorious effort. Congratulations to Coach Fritz and to the Rocks for getting that first victory. Yeah, I think they were losing at the time, and then just back-to-back explosive plays that we we know that Rock Island is is capable of making, especially on that defense. That defense has really played well. I think we talked about that on the Instant Reacts podcast, um, that the Rock Island defense has played really well against stiff competition. I think Greg, run from wrong here. Somebody, it might have been Stock, it might have been someone else who sent us that, like, up until last week, I think it was, that Rock Island had played like their opponent record was the best one in all of 7A or something? It was um, uh, Ken Jacoby from QC Sports. Okay, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Sorry, Ken. Yeah. But that the stat is incredible. I don't know if I have it right on the right on I the think top. At, I, think at the t- I think at the time they had played like, or their opponents had 31 wins or something through five weeks. It was something ridiculous. Here we go. Yes, Ken Jacoby tweeted out last week that the Rocks were 0-5, but their five opponents' overall record so going into this past week was 21 right. and five overall. Mm-hmm. And their nine opponents for the entire season had racked up 31 wins. That was okay. the most of any six A school. Second place was 27. So okay. they certainly, it looked to be a tough schedule and it is it has turned out that way, you know, as the games get played out here. So it's been a tough grind, but congratulations to the Rocks for getting getting victory number one here. Yep. Quincy gets the big win, 56-19 to 19 over Galesburg. They scored 28 in the first. They scored 28 in the second. So they were well on their way to victory here. Thanks to our buddy down in Quincy, Don O'Brien, for the numbers. Mitch, he, he sends us the stats. And when he sent us these, there were a lot of numbers to put in that, to put in that email or to put in that tweet. It was... There's a lot of statistics here. Go through the list. Yeah, and most most of these were in the first half. So Quincy racked up on the night 439 total yards. Uh, Braden Little, 15 of 17 for 269 yards. Greg, seven touchdowns. Um, yes. Uh, now, what, what do you have last week? Six? Yes. Now, that yeah. was an early that was an early candidate for our player of the week. We were yeah. really close to pulling that one. Yep. Ugh, it's tough to it's t- again he's put up numbers every single week and it's like yeah. we just there's somebody else that always pops up so i yep brayden you're so close keep throwing yeah. the ball you're gonna get a mini we'll, and we'll, yeah and we'll get into that later and i think i think this week's selection really i mean it was an incredible performance so yes. it's well deserving but the, the past two weeks all season Braden little has been so so good we're such a fan of his play so uh hang in there you yeah. know we'll, <laughs> you're, you're doing great um Further, further down of the of all the other stars on the Quincy team, uh, Darius Rice at 156 yards and a touchdown. He also caught a couple of touchdowns from Little. 
Kane Johansson, Aiden Byquist, Tykel Hammers all had TD receptions. Uh, and again, a, a big win for another, yet another big win for Quincy. Yeah. They, I mean, they, they continue to get the job done and, you know, week in and week out, there's not even anywhere close to a sign of a letdown. They, they look yep. really good. They continue to pr- produce. So um, Quincy will, uh, you know, look to remain unbeaten against Sterling. We'll talk about that in a minute here. What do you got, Mitch? Yeah. Just looking at, looking at Quincy, um, they have the, call it hardest, I guess. They face the best opponent record the following or the next three weeks. Their opponents have 13 wins. The next closest is Sterling. Their next three opponents have 10 wins. So uh, Quincy's got uh, Sterling this week, Geneseo the next, and then they play Seymour in week nine. So those are three really quality opponents. So very a very good start of the season for Quincy. I think their hardest stretch starts this week. I did not realize. Yeah, Muhammad Seymour is sitting there at five and one, and they're at the they're at the end of the schedule there in week and, nine. Yeah, so. their own their only loss was a week one loss to an undefeated, I think, Morris team, and they've just been hammering people ever since. That should be a really fun game. Yeah, and which, but Morris is a whole other story. I was just talking to my dad about Morris over the weekend. Man, they play a tough schedule, and they answer the call. Morris looks really good. You are right on that. I am wrong. They played Morton, but Morton is also undefeated. Okay, there you go. Morton is also a really good program. Maybe we'll yep. save Morris for another time. But, yeah, they're a right. very good program playing really well. Uh, yep. Moline got the win via forfeit, and uh, that was due to the Allman game, so they could not get a rescheduled one there, so they'll take the win. But speaking of Rock Island Allman, they played a JV game at Seneca High School. Seneca's actually had two forfeits this year, so two forfeit mm-hmm. victories. But either way, two teams that have been unable to show up on a Friday night, it was their homecoming game. So credit to Rock Island Alleman for stepping up and kind of filling that void. Sure, it's not a varsity contest, but at least you had a football game on a Friday night out there in Seneca so they can enjoy their homecoming. Uh, They win the game 58-8. to But either way, I think in the grand scheme of things, it's great to see Alleman competing on a Friday night. Hopefully things are building up towards getting back on the varsity level next year. Right. And, and Dazzo kind of spoke to this on the Instagram reacts that they're, they've been in their, in their games uh, that they've been playing here this year. So yeah, hopefully uh, next year, they'll still have the numbers. It'll, it'll be a young team when it, when they do come back, but yeah, great to see them putting in the, putting in that right work and getting uh, on the field under Friday lights again. So yeah, love to see that for all of them. Yep. Well, let's do a quick recap here or a quick look at the big six standings. You got Quincy at 6-0, 4-0 in conference play. And then it gets interesting from there because you have Sterling at 3-3 overall, but 3-0 in conference play. You have Geneseo, who's 5-1. Obviously, we just said they just lost their first one to Sterling. They're 3-1 in conference play. And then you have Moline sitting at 1-2 in conference play with 3-3 overall record. So those are kind of the four teams still kind of up there in the mix with, you know, a lot to play for this season. So let's look at the matchups. You got United Township playing Moline, Galesburg going up against Rock Island, Geneseo in a non-conference game against Mendota, and the big one, the marquee matchup in the big six, Quincy at Sterling. So Quincy's got to go on the road to a Sterling defense that really stepped up this past week and got the job done against Geneseo. Can they do it again is the question. Yeah, this is a Sterling team, as we talked about, who is 
fighting, scratching, clawing for wins. They're at three now. They've got to get at least two. And they play Quincy, Rock Island, and Moline. So, you know, and even at, at five and four, certainly depending on how everything shakes out, should be enough, right? It's eligible, but we've seen five and four teams not get in before. So you, you'd love to have that mindset that they need to win out here. I don't think they need to, but it's possible the way that they've been playing, the way that defense has been playing. Um, and it starts this week if they can play spoiler at home, like you said, against a really, really good Quincy team that no one has slowed down yet. But if anyone was going to do it, it'd be the Sterling defense. Yeah, this is the, you know, I would say the the end of what has been a tough stretch of games for Sterling. I mean, they've, they've had a tough stretch yeah. all season. But when you talk about Princeton at five and one, Geneseo now sitting at five and one after that, after that loss and Quincy, obviously at six and oh, so a tough three games here, you know, that they're, 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 they bounce back after that loss to Princeton, you know, can they ride the wave here? The momentum they built against uh, Geneseo. Now to, to flip it, talking about Sterling's defense, don't sleep on that Quincy defense. Absolutely. That, that Quincy defense has been really, really good all season they're on the field a lot because the offense scores so quickly yeah so they've got the reps and they have not had the the Moline game was close other than that they really haven't been challenged because the defense plays so well they they get a lot of interceptions they're quick so this will be a really good again a really good battle between two good defenses so maybe it comes down to which offense um can can score a couple more points and it's Hard not to say that that's not Quincy if you're looking at the two teams. Yeah. I mean, don't you think if Sterling's going to pull an upset and win this one, don't you think they kind of have to do it in a similar fashion that they did against Geneseo? That kind of that that winning, ugly, grinded out defensive win? Whatever whatever it takes to slow down Quincy, they, they yeah. would have to. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't see Sterling outscoring Quincy. You know, if right. they get into a, if right. they get into a back and forth type of shootout, I don't see Geneseo or Sterling being able to keep up with it. So I think you'd almost have to do what you did against Geneseo and really trying to grind out defensively, keeping them, you know, at bay and just being able to find points where you can. Yep. Well, Mitch, before we jump into the Three Rivers Athletic Conference, let's go through and talk about the, uh, you know, the state rankings uh, as it is announced by the NUICfootball.com poll. So we contribute to that. And also Kyle Kantmeyer from NUIC Football puts together a, you know, a group of panelists from around the state who are very knowledgeable on high school football. If I'm being honest, when I look at the list that he puts together, I trust it more than I trust the AP. So, mm-hmm. I, so let's, we kind of wanted to, you know, give a little shout out here. And we also wanted to, um, you know, talk through it. So let's go through and we'll start in class 3A where we have Byron at number one, 6-0. You have Montini Catholic at number two. Princeton coming in at number three. Williamsville at number four, or sorry, Wilmington at number four. Williamsville at number five. Dupec at six. St. Joe Ogden at seven. Roxana is sitting at 6-0. They're at number eight. You have Olympia at nine at four and two, and you have DeCoin down south by Carbondale at six and zero oh at number ten. Another few teams receiving votes: Phillips, Tolona Unity, and Mount Carmel. The Mount Carmel down in southern Illinois. So right. 
That's the uh, 3A rankings. Looking at 2A, you have Merle Forsythe, the number one at 6-0. Bloomington Central Catholic will fall into, into Class 2A. They're 6-0. Seneca at 6-0. Tri-Valley also at 6-0. Athens at 5-1. They're number five. Number six is Knoxville at undefeated at 6-0. Number seven, Shelbyville. Number eight, Farmington. Number nine, Johnston City. Number 10, Rock Ridge. Couple other teams, Modern Day and Moments, also receiving votes there. And one more to go through Class 1A. You have Lena Winslow at number one. You have Morrison at number two. Belleville Altaf Catholic at number three. Forreston coming in at number four. Camp Point Central at five. Hope Academy out of Chicago at six. Greenfield Northwestern at seven. Fulton, the Steamers are at number eight. Newman Central Catholic at nine. Aurora Christian at 10. Others receiving votes, Stark County, Casey Westfield, Leroy, and Gibson City, Melvin Sibley. So there is your top 10 rankings, 3A through 1A. We'll get to 8-man a little bit later when we get into those, into those games. But for right now, we'll start with Princeton, the Princeton Tigers. They're number three in Class 3A. They got the mm-hmm. big win over Kiwani, 37-14. to 14, The 125th all-time meeting between these schools. A tight game early on. Kiwani allowed a big play over the top to Noah Laporte, but then really clamped down on defense in the first half. They played tough. They played physical defense. They were getting to the ball carrier. They were not missing that first tackle. They were really limiting what Princeton could do in that first half. Brady Clark was scrambling a lot of the time. He was trying to find time in the backfield to throw. He was an athlete. He's a playmaker. He was able to dump off a pass to Colson Wellgate who tiptoed the sidelines to get a second quarter touchdown to tie the game at the half. The third quarter, Kiwani was really keying on Casey Etheridge all game. In that third quarter, Princeton was able to find some space with Ace Christensen. He ripped off several big plays. The Tigers capitalized on a Boilermaker turnover, and that really broke this game open in the third quarter. You know, I saw a quote from Kiwani's head coach, Matt Taylor, courtesy of Kevin Hieronymus at the Bureau County Republican. He said the second half was a different story. They did approximately what they did to Sterling last week. They ground the ball. Ultimately, they wore us out. They didn't, we just didn't meet force with force. So I think that's an interesting telling quote there that Kiwani was able to hang with them for a half. And then that Princeton power, that Princeton running game really was able to, you know, force its way through. I was really impressed with, Princeton in the second half to really just, especially in the third quarter to really jump all over this Kiwani team. And Mitch, you start going down the way and Will Lott is a junior. Noah Laporte is a junior. Uh, Casey Etheridge is a sophomore. I believe Ace Christensen is a junior. I mean, all these guys are coming back and they're having huge impacts here. You know, um, Ryan Pearson head coach for Princeton told me after the game that they really didn't change anything like schematically at halftime. They just executed, you know, and, and that kind of speaks to what um, Taylor said from Kiwani, that they just, they kind of just finally wore them out. You know, they were just right. pushing and pushing and pushing, and they finally capitalized on that big play, and they made, you know, multiple big plays, and that was the end of this game. But what a game. Mitch, have you, I don't know if we've talked to him, have you been to a Kiwani-Princeton game? No, I don't think I, have, I ever have. Oh, man, it was, it was great. I mean, the last few years when both these programs have been really kind of riding that wave and been playing really good football. 
it has been so exciting. I mean, you could tell like this game really means something to both sides. I mean, the student sections were packed. They were jacked up. The players after every big play, you just saw the expressions on their face. You saw their mannerisms. They were jacked up. They were into it. It was a great atmosphere for high school football. And I was really impressed with, you know, both squads in the first half and really impressed with Princeton moving down the way to get the win here. Yeah. Um, as you said, kind of, it seems like since losing to Morrison, Princeton's really kind of maybe hit the reset, maybe not even hit the reset button, but they've really gotten back to basics and gone back to doing the things that have won them five straight Mississippi titles and now puts them in the driver's seat for six. So, you know, you were talking about the rankings earlier. I think this, and I asked Kyle this on the instant reacts, kind of what the outlook was for Princeton. And certainly that depends on where they get seated. We know that Byron is unbelievable in 3A this year. Yeah. Um, we know that Dixon is undefeated and probably pretty high ranked. Or, well, they're not in 3A, but they're in the Big Northern anyway. But um, Martini's really good. But I think the way that Princeton's been playing, this is a team that can make yet another quarterfinal semi-final even push to get into a championship weekend so again can't look too far ahead there's still a lot of season left here but really impressed with how how Quint, or sorry how Princeton has been playing but with Quincy too I don't take much away from their success this year with this loss either so I think they've got an opportunity to finish really well again they're not out of the conference title yet um, but ultimately at this point where will they be seated going into the 4A playoffs? And this is a team playing like a, a, yet another team that could also make a run. So this was a, a great game between two rivals. Princeton had the better night. And um, yeah, I, I expect good things out of both of these teams moving forward. Yeah, like I said, I was really impressed um, with Kiwani's effort, especially in that first half. It felt like they really were playing toe-to-toe with Princeton. In the long run, Princeton just was able to find a few holes and make a few big plays, you know, in the game kind of got away from Kiwani in that second half, but ultimately really good. You know, they're a good football team. That Kiwani team's a good football team. And in Princeton, obviously, you know, really good program, really good team this year as well. So excited to watch both of them down the way. You know, I mentioned, you know, walking the sidelines with Kevin Hieronymus. I got to tell everybody, you know, I got to push, like, if you don't already subscribe to Friday Night Drive and subscribe to what, you know, to Kevin's work. He does a great job covering this Princeton program and covering that Bureau County area. You know, when you subscribe to Friday Night Drive between him and Steve Susie and all the local coverage you get, like just from different areas around the state, money well spent. So, I mean, I think that's a big source of, you know, where we get some of our information and, uh, and I love it. So anyway, just wanted to give a quick yeah. shout out to there. So I don't, I don't, I don't think they use AI lead sports bot either. So uh, no, thank you. Old, old, old classic journalism as, as so yeah, we, we've subscribed to Friday night drive for a while now. Um, a lot of, a lot of guys work that we are, have been familiar with. So yep. yeah, I, I echo what you say and, and that you should subscribe to that to get all your, all your news. Yep. Well, another game, I believe you could have read it about at Friday night drive. Sterling Newman gets the win 20 to 14 over Bureau Valley. This one was tight. Tie game, 14-14, three minutes left. Bureau Valley driving, looking to take a lead, but that Newman defense continues to show up week after week. Carter Rood comes up with a huge play, forcing a fumble. It's recovered by Newman. Connor McBride had a big run that then sets up Rood for the go-ahead 25-yard touchdown run with under two minutes to play. 
The Newman defense stepped up once again. They get two, they get two sacks, I believe, at the end of the game on yep. Bureau Valley to really put a cap on this one. So the 20 to 14 win, nice win for Newman. That puts them in a good spot here. They're now sitting at five and one overall. Yeah, this was this was a good game, really well played by BV. We, we kind of thought that this one might be lower scoring. Uh, again, kind of knowing what Newman's struggles have been offensively, but knowing what their strengths are on the defensive side of the ball. But also that BV has a has a really good, really good offense that's still growing. Again, you talked about how young Princeton is. BV's even younger, I think. So a fun game to watch. Classic Newman game. You know. Uh, you, you talked about the one turnover. I don't know if they had any more, but that would bring them up to at least 17 turnovers or takeaways uh, this year. So just a, a really, really good defensive unit that is going to, you know, do well by them the rest of the year, but also set them, or sorry, the rest of the regular season and really set them up to shine come playoff time. Cause that's what, you, that's what you're going to want. Yeah. Yep. Defense wins championships as the old cliche goes. And Newman's got some defense. As, as, as Newman's cliches go, or as any, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, Lee, Lee win recently. They've, they've had great defenses every yep. single season. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Yep. All right. A few more games to get to in the three rivers, a kind of a wild one here. Spring Valley hall gets the win 32 24 over IVC hall trailed 16, nothing early in this one. Then in the second quarter, they scored 26 points and they never looked back. Nice win for spring Valley hall on Saturday. You had Mendota getting the win 35 to 14 over Riverdale. Justin Randolph completed nine of 16 passing 125 yards, two touchdowns. He also ran for 91 yards and two scores on 15 carries. So that was Mendota's first win of the season. So congratulations to the Trojans there, but let's get to one of the best games of the week, Mitch. Yep. Erie Prophetstown 35 Orion 34. What a wild game here. Mitch, you were watching this one, I believe. Yep. Talk, talk us through it. Talk us through what you saw, because I've read about it, but I, I want you to talk. You lived it, so. Yeah, so I, I was flipping through games like I normally do on Friday, and I got to this one at 27-27. Um, Orion takes the lead, so they're up 34-27. Flash forward a little bit then into the very last minute of the fourth quarter. So Panthers have the ball on the 43 yard line. There's 18 seconds left. They don't have any timeouts. And it's the first play of, let's see the last three. Yep. The first play uh, of this series, Jeremiah coach throws it deep, probably throws it 30 yards, let's say in the air. Uh, and Demetri Larson comes down with it, but I wouldn't say that he goes down. Because no, he no. fends off three, four, five tackles and gets all the way down to I think the one. Yep. So it it was it's a crazy effort. So now they're now they're on the one, and again, you, I, I don't know how much time was left when they snapped this, but they they line up. Coach Bar throws a, a quick pass. It's it looks like it's a corner route, so he throws it back into the back pylon. And it's Demetri Larson, once again, who comes down with it. So at this point now, it is 34-33. Got a decision to make. You're on the road. You've got the momentum now. What do you do? First-year head coach, we're going for it, right? You'd love to see it. So 
Panthers come out, line up, and once again, it's Jeremiah Kochevar finds Larson on the quick out, and we re we retweeted this video that from the angle from that end of the end zone, it's a quick pass. Larson takes the turn, maybe one step, and dives right at the pylon, right inside it. Referee throws his hands up. Game is over. So this was a crazy ending. EP gets the walk-off win, 35-34. Yeah, it was, I mean, that sideline angle that we tweeted out is just, it's awesome. I mean, that's what that's what high school football is all about. I mean, yep. the kids, you know, Larson is diving for the end zone, gets the ball just across the goal line, right by the pylon. The, yep. um, I'm not sure who's shooting the video, but you hear him and the players just going nuts, just yep. ecstatic. I mean, and for that program that, you know, the winds have not been there this year, but they're, you know, they're trying to build something up and to have that kind of, you know, have that kind of win, have that kind of memory in a season that's been, you know, kind of had some disappointments, you know, through the first yep. five weeks. That It's really cool to see. Um, got a few numbers from Coach Whitebread. Uh, Coach Avar was two rushing touchdowns, two, one passing touchdown, uh, 94 yards rushing, 239 yards passing. Um, you also had uh, Justice Huff. He had 118 rushing yards. He also had 10 yards receiving. He had two touchdowns um, rushing. But then, man, let's go through the numbers for Dimitri Larson. 75 rushing yards, 134 receiving yards, an interception, and a forced fumble. And obviously came up clutch with the three passes to end the game. You know, yep. the last three plays of the game that they needed, including the touchdown and the extra or the two-point conversion, he's there to make every single one of them. Mitch, we hinted at it earlier. I think uh, I think we found where our helmet's going this week. Yeah, it, this is this is Dimitri Larson's award for the week. This this was one first and foremost uh, an incredible performance from him. But just you know, looking back at what it means for the program to get their first one of the year, uh, get uh, Coach Whitebread's first win as, as head coach. You know, this was this was really a team that has been playing well recently. They played well against Morrison hung tough here with, with a really good Orient team and, and came away with an exciting victory. So a lot of factors into this. So yeah, Dimitri Larson, congratulations. You are the Matthewson's mini helmet player of the week. That is correct. So if you're looking for the perfect gift for your high school football player, check out Matthewson's mini helmets. They offer totally custom mini helmets or decals for your school. You can find them on Facebook or on Twitter. Always love them as a sponsor. And congratulations again to Dimitri. You got a helmet coming your way. Really exciting, thrilling win. You know, on the flip side, Mitch, we got we to gotta reference it. That's a, it's a heartbreaker for Orion. I mean, yeah. it's a game that, you know, looking down the rest of their schedule, they really needed this one. You know, they, they still have, a, you know, they still have playoff life, but it's, you know, four losses now sitting at two and four when they started two and oh. This is, this is a tough one. This is a, you know, tough, tough one. Yeah. They got, they got to win out, but uh, you know, they've got Sherrard coming in at, at two and four, but we know that they've been playing better. Monmouth Roseville again, same thing, three and three, and then ending the season with, with Riverdale. So they're not out of it. They, they can win all three of those games. We've seen Orion put up some points this year. Um, so they, they really just have to, again, tighten up here 
these last three weeks because it's uh, it's you got to win out or, or you're not moving on. Yeah, a game against Sherrard. We'll talk about that in a minute here. That's coming up for Orion next week. Sherrard falls to Morrison, 42-14. to 14. This was a tight game early on, but Morrison really pulled away in the second half. Uh, shout out to Ty Taylor. He was able to give us some stats from this one. How about 494 yards of offense for the Mustangs? Mitch, they, yeah. they continue to get the job done week in and week out. Sherrard hung with them early. But hearing Coach Johnston on, uh, you know, Sportsline on WRMJ on Saturday morning, he just, you know, he referenced what we've all seen is that there's just so much team speed. And then when some of those guys get in space, you, you can't keep up with them. You know, you, you literally can't catch them. So, you know, nice, another nice win for Morrison. And, you know, again, tough loss for Sherrard. They're still hanging around. They've got four losses yeah. now, but, you know, games become really critical. Yeah, and – like you said, it was it was early on. It looked like Holland Anderson was really getting the passing game going, and uh, the Morse defense just we, we've seen them start slow. We saw them start slow against Erie Provincetown. I think we've seen it in, in other games, but it, ultimately they they figured out pretty quickly, and that speed and toughness really has played out every every single season, or sorry, every single game this season. So, yeah, four hundred four hundred ninety four yards of offense for the Mustangs. That seems like it's pretty typical these these days. So. Yeah, they are playing really, really well heading into a big matchup this week. So, Mitch, obviously, you know, we're giving Morrison their proper credit. We're giving them yeah. love on the podcast. You're seeing their highlights on WQAD and everywhere else. But how about getting on ESPN? How about NFL Sunday Countdown? Yeah. Getting in on the Morrison Mustang love here. So, yeah. Sunday morning, I'm sitting around. I'm watching uh, NFL Sunday Countdown with my dad and my son. And all of a sudden... There's Morrison, there's Morrison, Illinois. They're talking about the Morrison Mustangs. Chase Newman grabs a spotlight literally in the in the You Got Moss countdown. I believe yeah. he came in at number three on the countdown. So yeah, uh, three or four, yeah. Three or four. So congratulations, Chase Newman. It was a play where, you know, you know, for all the you know, the, what the young kids say, you got mossed, right? The the Randy yeah. Moss going up over right. the you top know, yeah, of somebody. He, yeah, I think you can say that now, and everyone kind of knows. Every football fan <laughs> knows what you're talking about. So, yeah, yeah, I I can say with pretty pretty well certainty that that's the first time that any Morrison player has ever been mentioned on ESPN. Unless oh, I'm come here. on, Mitch, your highlights were making a ESPN back in the back in no, the day. They were, they were put on ESPN the eight uh, at, <laughs> the at three when no one was watching. So. <laughs> um, yeah, this this is cool. You know, I I shared this around to to some Morrison friends, and you know, the community's loving it as as they have been all season. So yeah, this is pretty pretty special that uh, you know any anybody, not just Morrison, not just saying it because it's Morrison, any one of our teams, and any anybody at all that gets on ESPN, especially that segment. Yep, pretty cool. So yeah, awesome awesome moment. Good catch by you, and uh, yeah, love the video. Yeah, well, not great catch by me. It's great catch by Chase Newman. But how about uh, right. how about how about True Grit? Our our buddy uh, True Grit from Morrison out there, Greg Pruis, grab it. He's, he's coming some, for he's coming some, for your job. Yeah, he's, he's coming for your some, job. <laughs> he's got some skills there. Getting the uh, yeah. getting the video, kept everything in frame, looking good. So, yeah, I think I think he runs the chain gang though. So you better make sure he's keeping those chains updated. Well, that's even more that's even more impressive than I know. I'm I'm never running the chain gang while I'm shooting video. So, I'll tell you what. Did you watch the speaking of ESPN? Did yeah. you watch the Toy Story version of Jaguars and Falcons on Sunday morning? I did not get a chance. Like I said, I was back. I was back in Ottawa, and uh, you know, I was 
busy, distracted with some kids. And uh, no, I did not get, I should, although if I was watching the kids, I should have turned that on is what right. I should have done. Let Parents me just say on me. Let me just say this. Yeah. It was awesome. Well, okay. better than the Nickelodeon like slime game or whatever they did last I year. I think, so. I think so. Okay. Um, yeah. And truthfully, it's probably the only way I would watch a Falcons Jaguars game. Um, yeah. You know, you might as well put a little fun into it, but yeah, I mean, it was, Certainly the kids, the kids loved it because of, of everything Toy Story, all of the animations that they had and really the technology they had to make it look or to do it in real time was, was yeah. amazing, incredible. But that when you're talking about Chain Gang, they had the Slinky Dog. Yes, perfect. As, as, the, as the chain, it was awesome. It was great. <laughs> so they just had little knickknacks like that under the presentation. So if we could get one of these games in a Toy Story format, I'd watch that. They, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Man, I feel that's a parent fail on me. I had I had the little kids with me. I should have turned on the game. They did they did like little trivia during the commercial breaks. So yeah, it was yeah. The, the kids. My my girls love football anyway, so they they really enjoyed watching it that way. Yeah, I saw somebody said that they need to start doing the Toy Story game for the Iowa Hawkeyes because that's the only way it would be watchable. So well, it, yeah, it'd have to be overplayed over like Benny Hill music or something. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So. All right, one one more game to get to in the track. Rockridge on Saturday gets the win over Monmouth-Roseville, 28-13. Colin Schweigen, another good afternoon for him. Threw two touchdown passes, ran for a touchdown. He connects on two touchdown passes to Landon Wheatley. They they have a good connection. That's been going all yep. year long. They continue to, you know, to connect and make big plays. Landon Bull had a heck of a day. He leads the way in the trenches for the Rockridge Rockets. Rushing attack. He had an interception that was returned 50 yards. Didn't get the touchdown on that one. He had a scoop and score that was called back. So mm. I saw I saw the picture of it. It was awesome. He he's you know yeah. well on his way to the end zone. It was a a foul a flag thrown well away from him. So unfortunately, yeah. it doesn't count. But I uh, you know we've talked a little bit about it over the years here on the podcast. I used to work. I'm really good friends with Landon's dad, Nick Bull. Nick yep. Bull was a former photographer at KWQC when you were when you were interning. Yep. So I've heard stories. I've heard legend of what we've come to what we've come to call the Rambling Bull. When Nick Bull had a scoop and score, I believe it was against Sherrard on uh, on George Pratt Memorial Field, and uh, I went to actually one time I was on a news story. And I went through the uh, Alito Times record archives. Yeah. And I found the article where it referred to Nick Bull scooping and rambling into the end zone. So that's where we yeah. got the, the rambling bull reference. So there I thought go. we had, I thought we had another rambling bull. Hmm. We'll say in our, in my mind, in our, in our world, it counts. We'll, we'll give it, we'll give Landon yeah, credit right. for it. So yeah. Yeah. Well, great effort by him. Great effort by the Rockets. Big win. They continue to get the job done. They're now sitting at what five and one. Yeah, mm -hmm. they lost that first one, and they've been rolling since then. Well, let's yep. get into. I admit you had the standings right in front of me. I didn't even look. See, anyway, let's yeah, get into. I didn't update them. Did them from Saturday though, so that's that's on me. Okay. <laughs> well, let's get into the standings that were right in front of my face that I didn't look at. Uh, on the Mississippi side, Princeton sitting at five and one. You have Kiwani also at five and one. But Princeton's undefeated in conference play, whereas Kiwani now has the one loss. Bureau yep. Valley is at three and three overall. They're two and two in the conference. You have Newman at five and one. They are one and one 
in conference play. Yep. And then Hall at three and three, but one and two. And Mendota is now sitting at one and five overall, but their one win came outside of, you know, their divisional side. So they're still 0 and three on their right. side of the conference. On the Rock side of things, you have Morrison, who is undefeated, like we referenced. They're 6 0 and 4 0 in conference play. Rock Ridge, 5 1 overall. They're 4 0 in conference play. That's a matchup to watch for this week. Monmouth Roseville, 3 3 overall, 2 2 in conference play. Sherrard, 2 4. They're 1 2 in conference play. Erie Prophetstown, 1 2 in conference play. Orion's 0 3 on their side of the division conference play two and four overall, like we referenced, and Riverdale is 0-6. So looking at week seven, Kiwani at Monmouth-Roseville, Bureau Valley takes on Princeton, Mendota at Geneseo, Hall at Sterling Newman, Erie Prophetstown at Riverdale, Morrison takes on Rock Ridge. I believe that's at Rock Ridge, correct? Is it? Let's see. I think so. It is, no, it is at Morrison. At Morrison, okay. Yep. So Morrison is at home for that one against Rock Ridge and Orion at Sherrard. So let's start there because when we're talking, you know, playoff outlook, the playoffs start right now for Orion yeah. and Sherrard. Battle yep. of two and four teams. They need to win out to make that playoff slot. So here we go. You know, it, it, this is a rivalry game and it's it's a lot on the line here in week seven. Yeah, two, two good quarterbacks. Uh you know, Kel Filler at Orion and, and Holland Anderson at Sherrard. So, you know, looking at, at how these teams have been playing recently, I, I think you give the edge to Sherrard maybe in this. Just, again, the past couple of weeks result-wise and just how they've looked, um, been, been impressed with, with Sherrard. They had that win against against Riverdale, but they played really hard against Rockridge the week before, and they started well against Morrison. Um, whereas Orion, I think, now has lost – Four in a row, I think it is. So yeah, Orion Orion was two and zero, oh, and that they've yeah. lost now four in a row. Yeah, so it's certainly been a tough stretch for Orion. So yeah, but most importantly, no matter what has happened in the past six weeks, both teams have to win out if they want a chance into in the playoffs. So we will have one team here be eliminated essentially. Um, so yeah, in terms of what maybe is on the line, well, I don't know if I'd go that far. I guess, but it's it's important regardless um with, with two teams just trying to get into the playoffs yeah yep so i think when you you know when you look at it you know you go back a couple weeks and sherrard was right there was right in the mix with rock ridge you know mm -hmm. they they almost pulled that game out they fell a little bit short they were able to then get that win over riverdale and then they fall short against morrison when you look at the opposite side you know on for orion they played Rockridge, lost 54-20, and gave up a lot of points early in that one. That was never really, you know, a game that Rockridge really jumped out quick. So, yeah. you know, when you look at a common opponent there, it's kind of easy to see why you'd maybe give the favor, you know, say that Sherrard comes in as the favorite in this one. You know, what I thought was interesting is listening to Chip Filler's comments on Sportsline at WRMJ. You know, he kind of joked, but I think he was kind of, you know, being serious too that, this week at practice, he's almost going to be more of a psychologist than a football coach because more importantly than getting your team physically ready, maybe getting your team back mentally ready yeah. after such a tough loss, you know, after yeah. such a hard way to lose against Erie Prophetstown, 
But I guess when you look at it that way, if you can get your kids, you know, get them in the right headspace, does that spark that fire? You know, that, you know, does that light that fire to say, we're not going to be that team. This is not going to happen to us. You know, that, that wakes you up. It was a tough loss, but maybe that, maybe that sparks that fire and you come out firing here against Sherrard. Yeah. I mean, you got to try anything, you know, outside of the ordinary, anything unconventional, anything that you think you can give your team an edge. So yeah, we'll see if, we'll see if it, if it works for, for Orion. So yeah, looking forward to seeing who comes out on top in this one. Yeah. Quickly, let's look down the way. So you referenced Orion has Sherrard this week. They have Monmouth Roseville at home in week eight, and they have Riverdale at home in week nine. So yeah. like you said, there is, there is certainly a chance there. They need this, you know, they need every one of these wins, but right. it starts with the game against Sherrard. And, you know, that week eight matchup against Monmouth Roseville won't be much easier. But, man, if you're able to get those two, then you're looking at Riverdale in week nine at home. So, you know, there's the path for them for Sherrard. They have Orion this week, Erie Prophetstown on the road, and then Monmouth Roseville at home. So Monmouth Roseville, we'll talk about, you know, they have a matchup this week against, um, where they at? Kiwani. So they have a big one this week. And they're sitting at three and three. It's a pretty important game for them, but they'll be in the mix here because they have Sherrard and Orion both left right. on the schedule. So, yeah, big game all for Monroe. Yeah, all three of those teams just <laughs> jockeying and playing each other, trying to get in. Yeah, a lot of exciting games down the way. You know, Monmouth, Roseville, and Kiwani. You know, which team is going to bounce back here? Both teams looking for a win. Monmouth, Roseville, you might say, needs the win a little more because they're sitting at three and three. So to keep their you know, playoff hopes or their playoff seating alive. This mm. is a, you know, a big game for them. But how about uh, Morrison hosting Rock Ridge? Yep. This should be a good one. Yeah, this will be, I think, a really good one. Um, two of the best teams here in, in the Rock, both offensively and defensively. Um Certainly the way that that Morrison has played all year has been impressive. Certainly they, they put up a lot of points on offense, but that defense has only allowed two scores uh, out, outside of the Princeton game. They've, they've only allowed no more than two scores per, per contest. And certainly each of the last four weeks, the highest team was Orient with 14 points. So that, that defense keeps teams in check and that offense has just really not been slowed down at all this season other than the Princeton game. But since Rock Ridge had that first that first week loss to Newman, who has turned out to be a very good team, they haven't really been been stopped either. I mean, they certainly haven't been stopped. They've won five in a row, but they had that close win against Sherrard, that last second win against Sherrard, and then this a close game here this week with Monmouth Roseville. So they've been they've been battle tested, whereas Morrison has kind of breezed through it, but. You know, these are two teams that we've been high on the past couple of weeks. I was high on Rock Ridge coming into this year. I thought that they would go eight and one or nine and zero or eight and one. Still a possibility. I was certainly underselling what Morrison did this year, but I think these are two similar teams. Um, and and really looking forward. It's too bad that they only play once because I think that this would be a game that you could get excited about. You know, if they were to ever re, you know rematch in the playoffs, we know that that's not possible, but yeah, this this is a big game. The big game for Morrison certainly to remain undefeated, to continue to have a 
a high seeding in the 1A playoffs. That way you don't have to run into a lead win earlier than you need to. And for Rock Ridge, just to continue playing well and hopefully, you know, put their name at the top of the, of the Rock standings. Yeah. When, when I start looking at this matchup, you know, I, I look back at the Rock Ridge effort defensively against Sherrard. It was a back-and-forth game, and Sherrard was having a lot of success, was having success in the air against this Rock Ridge team. They were able to move the ball, but they really weren't able to do it on the ground. So I think the question becomes, can Rock Ridge slow down this Morrison rushing attack? I mean, I think we've seen that, you know, they can make plays when they need to through the air. Sherrard's a good passing team, and they had success, but when they needed to make a play, Rockridge was able to make a play defensively, you know, yeah. uh, stopping them passing-wise. Can they slow down a team like Morrison running the ball? Because that's a whole nother, you know, that's a whole nother factor that you didn't well, have to worry about or you didn't worry about as much in that Sherrard matchup. Right, and I, I think, too, though, the way – that Colton Bielema has been directing that Mustang offense. He's a pretty efficient passer. I think he's over, I, I don't know, 400 yards passing and yeah. probably close to 10 touchdowns. Sean McQueen, I think, had a receiving touchdown on Friday night. So it, you talk about stopping the run, but they've proven that they can, they can sling it too. So this will be a good match with two good quarterbacks. Um, and like we said, two good offenses. So, yeah, it, it might come down to the defenses here and who can stop the other one. Yeah, I think, you know, for Morrison, can they disrupt what Schweigen and that offense is going to want to do? Will, yep. will Schweigen have enough time to make those plays? You know, early in the season when Rockridge struggled, it was because Newman was getting into the backfield and really disrupting what Rockridge was going to do. Now, keep in mind, that week one matchup seems like a lifetime ago. I think yeah. this, short, or this, this Rockridge offense has made leaps and bounds of improvement since then. But that being the but that being said, that was what Newman was able to do. Can Morrison disrupt, you know, get into the backfield of this Rockridge offense? That would, you know, that would go a long way in them in them getting the win here, I think, for you know, their defensive effort. Right. And, and again, ultimately I think the winner of this game will be the the Rock champion this year. Yeah, I would say that as well. Yep. So Mitch, when you're looking at Morrison and Rock Ridge battling, and you have Orion and Sherrard. Of course, WRMJ will be covering both of those games. Jim Taylor, I believe, will be at the Morris and Rockridge game. And Ty Taylor, his son, will be at the Orion Sherrard game. So mm -hmm. I think for the first time on the Instant Reacts podcast, we're going to do a little father-son. The Taylors are both going to be on the Instant Reacts podcast yeah. this week, I believe. So Love it. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be great to have them on and... Uh, as you mentioned, they'll be bringing perspective from two different games and, and you'll probably either go to one of them or a different game and I'll try and watch one of the other games that's going on. So we'll have good coverage and, and good to have those guys and get them on uh, on the uh, usually pretty late Instant React podcast. Yeah, I, I gave him the warning that it, it gets going a little late. So, uh, you know, I think they're I think they're in for it, though. They're game. So yeah, maybe, maybe pick a game closer than Princeton. This I <laughs> Hey, you told me that that was the game to don't, go to. No, no, don't even start. No, no, no. Don't <laughs> even blame me for that. All right. Well, before we jump into the Lincoln Land Conference, let's take a quick break to thank some sponsors. 
Brink Sportswear offers totally custom made-to-order football uniforms that allow coaches and athletic directors to take control of their brands. The uniforms are available in sublimated and tackle twill. They offer free digital mock-ups, free shipping on team orders, and free physical samples before you buy so you know exactly how you're spending your program's money. Uniform sets start at $99 for sublimated and $120 for tackle twill. You can find them on Twitter or go to brinksportswear.com. View from the West podcast is also sponsored by the Cupcake Cartel, gourmet cupcakes that are made to order. Over 40 flavors, including wedding cake, lemon blueberry, strawberry milkshake, snickerdoodle, and Oreo. Perfect for weddings, birthdays, showers, fundraisers, or any event. You can find the Cupcake Cartel on Facebook. We thank them for their support. It's all business in the LLC, the Lincoln Land Conference. We'll start on the big side of things. Knoxville continues to impress. They get the win 42-12 to over Illini West. Nolan McClay, 236 yards, four touchdowns. Mitchell Parrish with 97 yards, and also Bo Laws with 80 yards. So another great effort here. But Mitch, if we're going to be giving credit to the running backs, we got to give a shout out to the boys up front too. Oh yeah. If if you're running an offense like Knoxville, you can't just have running backs. You got to have a line to get the job done. So let's let's go through the names here. We're giving a shout out to the offensive line. Yeah, the big fellas up front. Uh, Dalton Hutchinson, Jacob Thorpe. They kind of anchored the line there at the tackle position. Joe Wall, Adam Carter are the guards, and Trenton Kurgan. Hope I'm saying your name right. Trenton is the center, and then you got Jacob Morris. Jay Durham, Corey Stearns, they're the tight ends. So all the big fellas up front leading the way for McClay, Parrish, Laws, that whole offense. They've been doing it all season. You know, maybe not the same players, but that same unit's been doing it for the past couple of years for the Blue Bullets. So they're, they're doing things right. Love to see this offense really operate at full capacity. Love it when we don't pass. So all the credit to the big fellas up front. Man, I saw it firsthand a couple weeks ago, and it's true. I mean, Nolan McClay and, and the rest of them are getting some huge holes to run through, and they're dynamic playmakers. They're not they're not missing the hole, and when they get to it, they're gone. They're they're going. So yeah, that that line is getting the job done for sure. At the end of the year, I want to see between Knoxville and Lena Winslow, who has thrown the least amount of passes and who had more rushing yards. Because I think it'll be pretty close. Ooh, yeah, that'll be a fun one to look at for sure. Yeah, I don't know if there's, is there any other team that I'm missing that might not throw that much. Uh, Forreston doesn't hardly throw at all. That's true. They're not. Also, I don't know. Rushing yards. I don't know that they're racking up as many yards as the other two, but they definitely okay. are not throwing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out an award. There you go. And I'm gonna give it to the quarterback who has the least amount of passing. <laughs> A starting quarterback okay. on a winning team that has the least amount of passing attempts. Is it, we have to figure out like how many, like there has to be a threshold of like certain amount of plays they were in on, like certain amount of snaps they took. We, I don't know if we can figure that out, but yes. Yeah. We'd yeah, be able to know who started. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll gauge it. We'll talk to the coaches and figure it out. Love it. All right. Well, Knoxville is looking really good. The other team looking really good on that Lincoln land um prairie side or the big large side of things of the lincoln trail prairie land is farmington farmington gets the 28 to 6 win over mccomb lane wheelwright 105 yards rushing 112 passing 
Logan Utt, 134 yards rushing as well. So, Mitch, we're inching closer to that Week 9 matchup, Farmington and Knoxville. Yep. They got to... They got to continue to get the job done, but it's that's a marquee matchup that I hope we get to see. Yeah, and I think Farmers has got a tough one this week. Uh, certainly playing a smaller school at, at Anaheim Weatherfield, but still playing a good school. And Knoxville, West Hancock this week, and then Fulton in Week Eight. That'll be a sneaky good game. But yeah, I I think we could be headed towards two eight no teams there in Week Nine. That that would be a lot of fun. Yep. Well, let's keep moving down the way here. Mercer County gets the much-needed victory, 20-12 to over Elmwood-Brimfield. I listened to head coach Tanner Matlick on Sportsline on WRMJ on Saturday morning. He was happy with the way his team had perseverance. They battled through this one. Um, Tannen Whitehall, huge game, 75 yards, two touchdowns, also had a fumble return for a touchdown. So he really, you know, was leading the way in scoring for this team. Um, Matlick was also quick to credit Bodie Solomon for knocking the ball loose, which led to Whitehall scooping it up for the touchdown. So great effort by the Golden Eagles here, and they get the much-needed win. They're now sitting at three and three overall, yep. with uh, you know some important matchups left that you know could go either way. Yeah, looking at what they've got, uh, Line West, tough game against Macomb. And a, a always dangerous West Hancock team who just kicked out their first one of the year. So, yeah, again, uh, one of those situations where this was a much-needed win, and now it's just maybe slightly more manageable because you only need two out of the three, hopefully. But I do think that they have the opportunity to go 3-0 and here these next couple of weeks. Now, they're playing two teams that are also in that same predicament in Illini West and Macomb. So a lot to be played for between these three teams here in the last uh, three weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think it's safe to say that this season so far, with with the inconsistency, it hasn't necessarily gone the way that Mercer County wanted it to. I think they had some high hopes. But either way, you still have a lot to prove here. And I think a big part of, you know, them proving it is Mercer County getting healthy. They've been dealing with injuries this season. A lot of teams deal with injuries, but I think they've had more than their fair share. Um, But Peyton Seedam was back on the defensive side of the ball for this win over Elmwood Brimfield. And, you know, Coach Matlick really credited him for being kind of that quarterback on the defensive side of the ball. He was out against Knoxville, so it was important to have him back in the mix for this win over, you know, Elmwood Brimfield, but also moving down the way. So I think the more they get healthy, I think that goes a long way for this Mercer County team. But I'm, I'm interested to see if they, can, if they can prove themselves, you know. These yeah. games are, you know, against good teams. Then um, they could prove that they're one of those teams that belongs in the playoffs here. So I'm Excited to see how it works out. The team you just referenced, Wes Hancock, gets their first win of the season, a big one, 67-8 to over LVC. Mitch, our guy Gavin Grothaus, huge game. Read through his numbers. Yeah, 14-17 for 226 yards and six touchdowns. Also added 62 yards and another touchdown on the ground. Seven touchdowns in all, leading West Hancock to their first win on the year. So, yeah, we've been really impressed with Grothaus all year. His numbers are really, really good. His his touchdown interception ratio was was a little tight there, but this one really <laughs> separated it out. So um, always always good to see that. We've been impressed with West Hancock. They just haven't gotten a win, so good to see them get on the board here. Yep. Looking at the small side of things here in the LLC, the marquee matchup from last week: Stark County gets the twenty four fourteen win over Rova Williamsfield. 
Adrian Manzano hits a 22-yard field goal to take the lead early in the fourth quarter before Luke Rewert's touchdown would seal it. The Rebels now kind of the clear top of the LLC small side. They've already got wins over Rova Williamsfield and Anawan Weathersfield. Just a great season for the Rebels continues on. Yeah, we, we talked about it on the Instant Reacts that we maybe didn't give them enough credit. We were high on, on Robo Williamsfield, deservedly so. We were high on Anawan Weathersfield, deservedly so. So we, we thought that those three teams would kind of make make up the, the top three of this of this division, but I, we were sleeping, right? Right right hand up. We were sleeping on Stark County, I think, this year. So all the, all the credit to Coach Nord. Um, looking at what they've got, I think they've got a chance to go 9-0. Um, and, and kind of in that same predicament as Morrison, trying to get undefeated as you go into the 1A playoffs because the higher seed you get, right, you're going to be positioned a little bit better to make a run. But at the end of the day, too, there's going to be so many good teams in that division, uh, or sorry, in that in that bracket. But put your you know 9-0 record on there, you can compete with anybody. So, yeah, good to see. This was a, a hard-fought win. They came back in this one. I think they were down 14 to 10, I think, on the road. So, yeah, great, great win for Stark County. Yeah. Mitch, I'm going to say Stark County came, I believe, number 11. They were just short of the NUIC top 10. That, In my mind, they're in the, they're in the top 10. With wins like you referenced, yeah. to me in Class 1A, they're in the top 10 in the state. I've had them in there for several weeks. And they validated it. They proved it with this win over Rova Williamsfield. So, you know, I just want to, I want to make sure that I reference that they're in my top 10 for sure. Yeah. Personally, I don't remember. So I don't want to say anything, <laughs> but um, yeah, one of the, one of the best defenses here, we, we've yeah. talked about that before that, you know, there's been some talk of, of the quality of, of defense that Stark County has. They haven't given, or sorry, they've, they've given up a little bit more points than anyone Weathersfield has, but I think that they've scored defensively more times, pick sixes, fumbles, whatever it may be. So, yeah, this is, again, we talked about it with, with Newman. You're going to want to have a good defense in 1A, and Stark County has it. Well, you referenced, you know, Stark County's defense, and then you mentioned Anawan Weathersfield. I think that's what stands out to me about Stark County's defense is they were able to slow down Zeb Rashid, which almost nobody else has been able to do. So, mm -hmm. in my mind, that's what really kind of, separates them defensively you know is the is efforts like that so speaking go ahead i was just to say also it those numbers talks or it helps when anyone Weathersfield has shut out their last three opponents <laughs> well yeah they're on a roll yeah we'll we'll get into that actually that's a good segue they anyone Weathersfield got the win last week 42 to nothing over havana zeb rashid 170 yards two touchdowns dylan ori had 110 on the ground at a touchdown plus 60 yards passing and a couple more. So, you know, don't sleep on Anawan Weathersfield here. This is a team that fell one point short at home against Stark County. They went for right. two in that game and didn't get it. And here they are, though. They're absolutely on a roll. 35-0 a couple weeks ago against Monmouth United, 42-0 over A-Town, and now 42-0 again over Havana. So the last three weeks, they're cruising. Yeah, last three weeks they've been cruising, but their last three weeks that they have on the schedule are their hardest. They have 15 opponent wins yet to play. Yeah. Farmington at six and zero, Robo Williamsfield at five and one before ending with Princeville at four and two. So they've played great. 
they are five and one eligible for playoffs will probably get in even if they were five and four. I'm just saying that as reference, but you've got your three hardest games here. So how, how good are you? Right. Go out there and prove it. Zeb Rash has been, been playing really well. Obviously we just talked about that defense with four shutouts out of their six games. So they're going to need both of those, you know, aspects along with the rest of the team here in these next three weeks. Yep. Let's keep going down the way. A couple more scores for us. A-Town gets the upset win over United 42-22. to That's their first win of the season. So, man, Mitch, we were talking about United getting those first two victories, and yep. they were sitting at 2-0. and They lost to Rovo. They had a tough stretch there, Rovo Williams Field and Anawan Weathers Field. But then when you started looking at they fell short against Princeville, and now they fall short against A-Town, and here we are staring at 2-4. and four. It just... All of a sudden, it just went quick where it was, you know, from 2-0 and to 2-4. and Yeah, um, but, but ultimately like a, great, a great win for, for A-Town, a team that's in desperate need of one. It was their first one of the year. Um, you know, they had been shut out three times coming into, coming into this game. So for them to put up 42, you know, Coach Quinn really, really got everything put together here on, on Friday night. So great win for A-Town, and, and yeah. United to have started the way that they did. Now they're sitting at two and four. Now they've got their back backs up against the wall and looking at just what, what they've got left. It's, it's possible, but they're staring, they're staring at Stark County in week nine. So. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. Um, yeah. I mean, good call for, yeah. Giving credit to uh, head coach Rick Quinn and a town, you know, Rick Quinn's been around a long time and, you know, year in and year out, there's, you know, some years, they don't always have the numbers or they're, they're up and down out in A-Town, but he's always proven himself to be a good coach. And to get the win here, I think is a nice win for them. Hopefully you can build some momentum, if not for this year, you know, if for down the road. So yep. Mitch and this A-Town win kind of spoiled the party for United here. They were honoring the 1983 Yorkwood Golden Bears, yep. arguably one of the greatest 1A football teams ever assembled. I, I saw know. the... I don't know, but arguably, this is some pretty yeah. impressive stuff. All right, let's go. Through. We've talked about a lot of good 1A football in this area on this podcast, but let's go through these numbers here. They were 13-0, and 0, including yep. 11 shutouts, which is a state record. No touchdowns were scored on them from the line of scrimmage all season. There was a kickoff and a punt return that they gave up. They only allowed 813 yards for the entire season. That's ninth best in IHSA history. Now, so, how how is that only the ninth best? I I would I would have to look it up. I guess. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. So, like I said, arguably the best. But Sean Temple, sports director at WMOI and WRAM in Monmouth, he he sent out the tweet. He says there is no argument. This is the greatest 1A football team yeah. of all time. So it, yeah, it, it's yeah, hard to argue. Bears info, Yorkwood. I, I love it. I actually, I think somewhere in my closet, I have a Yorkwood Golden Bears football jersey. Uh, how about that? <laughs> yeah. So fun story. Uh, several years ago, United High School held like a garage sale and they were selling off a bunch of yeah. old jerseys. So United is, you know, turned into Yorkwood then consolidated with United when, you know, when Warren and, you know, Yorkwood yeah. and all them became United and uh, yeah, Nick Bull and Dan Pearson went out there and uh, picked me up, uh, picked me up a Yorkwood golden bears uh, football Jersey. And I believe I have an Alexis Cardinals 
uh, 90s like shooting warm-up, which is really Ooh. sweet, by the way. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. My wife always looks at me sideways like, why do we have these things? And I, she doesn't understand. She doesn't get it. She isn't up on the 1983 Yorkwood Golden Bears history? No, I, I need to tell her these stats. Maybe that would... Come on, Beck. <laughs> so, all right. A few more scores here. Princeville gets the big win, 34-32 over South Fulton. I say big because they're now 4-2 and two overall. Yep. And Mitch, they're kind of a sneaky 4-1 and one in conference play. I don't think we necessarily had that on our radar a few weeks ago. No, I don't, I don't think so. We, we knew that they are always just kind of hanging around these games. But 4-1 in conference play, but their last three, Stark County, Rushville Industry, and Anawan Weathersfield. So they still have two. Not to say Rushville Industry won't be a tough game because they've been playing well, but you're playing two of the top teams in Stark County and Anawan Weathersfield, you know, still. So can they get one there to, to get into the playoffs or become playoff eligible? Certainly the way that they've been playing. So, yeah, another, another good, solid season for the Princes. Yeah, and I, I want to do a public, uh, you know, a public cry here, a public plea. If anyone has contacts with Princeville, if anyone can get us information either weekly or just some statistics, we'd love to know some names, some yeah. impact players from Princeville. It just seems like we can never get a hold of anybody to find out information. Yeah, they're, they're usually an SOS tweet on Friday nights looking for a score. And we do get them. So someone out there has the principal scores. Every week someone has them. So I don't know if they're, if they're hawking, listening to the radio and they overhear it or if yeah. they have direct information. But yeah, we, we have struggled for years to get anything out of Princeville. So yeah, if you know, if you know anything, you got any info, on, that sounds bad. If you know anything, Please, right. please <laughs> we, tell me because we know nothing. So no, but if, yeah, if you have any information on Princeville, we'd love to be able to promote the program. They're playing well right now. So, all right. Last one. Hayworth gets the 42 22 win over Rushville industry. So let's look through it here. Let's start on the big side of things. Like we yeah. said, Knoxville and Elmwood Brimfield or sorry, Knoxville and Farmington, both up top undefeated at six and oh each Macomb three and three overall three and two in conference play Mercer County, three and three overall two and two in conference play and Illini West three and three they're two and one over or, sorry, two and three. So many numbers here, Mitch, so many numbers to get through here. Yeah. But that's the look there. I think that Knoxville and Farmington, like we said, they're on that crash course to hopefully play yep. in week nine. If they're undefeated, yep. I think that'd be very exciting football for this conference but you got Macomb, Mercer County, and Illini West. A lot still to be decided there on who's going to the playoffs and who's going to get those, you know, kind of prove it wins in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and you know, teams that we just we were talking about that still have to play each other. So Mercer County and Macomb still have to play each other. Um, looking at what Macomb has left, they've got well, that's probably their toughest game. They've got Elmwood, Brimfield, and Havana, so they could get. They could get to five, no matter what happens in that Mercer County game. And who was the third team you said? I'm sorry. Uh, Illini West. Illini they West. Um, so they've got they've got big matchup here with Mercer County, but then they've got West Hancock, and then they've got Central A&M, who appears to be having a down year. So they all three of those teams could still get in. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know this 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 game here against against Mercer County for Illini West. Um, and then certainly the week eight between Mercer County and Macomb might play into that. But the other two weeks for each of those three teams, I think are winnable games. So they could 
somehow I'll be getting in at five and four, maybe one gets in at six and three. But I think all three teams are still, even though they all play each other, they still have a shot to get in. Yep. Let's look through the matchups here then. Week seven, Mercer County plays Illini West, which you just referenced. Elmwood Brimfield goes on the road to Macomb. Farmington is at Anawan Weathersfield. Mitch, that's a game on my radar. I've, okay. I've been to Anawan Weathersfield once this year. Yeah. But that's a game that kind of intrigues me as maybe a stopping point. Did we say okay. Kiwani is at home? Do we remember? Checking, 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 checking. checking. <laughs> In the meantime, West Hancock no, plays. They, they are at Mammoth Roseville. Okay. So that, that I know Stark County is at home. We'll get to that in a minute. So maybe you can go Stark County to Anawan Weathersfield. That's not a bad trip, a bad okay. trip. So uh, anyway, West Hancock plays Knoxville and the LVC co-op is going on the road to Oblong. And Mitch, I'll be honest, I do not know where Oblong is at. Nope. I'm, I don't I don't think they've won a game. So if I, I do not know what co-op that is. Okay. Um, if I had to speculate, I believe Oblong is in the southern kind of eastern part of the state, would be my yeah, guess. Because it, yeah, because they play like O'Fallon, Cahokia, uh, Collinsville, Carbondale. So yeah, they must be down in that st louis area they are winless they were also winless last year they do not score a lot of points also and also i rattled off the exact wrong opponents that they play so <laughs> i was i was talking about granite city but okay. looking at looking at wherever oblong is yep um yeah i have no idea they play two teams from indiana and ivc here lvc Which, here that okay so, so maybe I was right because Casey Westfield is on the eastern part of the state. And if they're playing teams from Indiana, that would also indicate that they're on okay, the eastern sure. part of the state. So, Mitch, I'm either, I'm either way, they have scored six points in the last five weeks. Yeah. So, uh, LV, LVC, we know that they've been struggling. So, one team here is going to come out on top. Can we get back to how I'm a pretty smart guy and I knew that Oblong was on the eastern side of the state? Yes, your your knowledge of Illinois geography is very good. <laughs> I tell you what, though, high school football will do that to you. I, I can I can tell yeah, you. You've, you've seen many roads in your day, right? <laughs> All right. Well, let's look at more trails, more roads, more trail. The Lincoln there Trail. A-Town is going up against Havana. So the Tornadoes have a chance to get two wins in a row here. Uh, I, so think, I, I think they have a chance to get three wins going looking at week eight. So, yeah, A-Town might be getting, making a little run here. Yep. South Fulton goes on the road to United. Rova Williamsfield is at Rushville Industry. And Princeville is at Stark County. That Princeville-Stark County matchup's interesting. You know, can yeah. Princeville, you know, pull off what would be the upset here? It's a tough road test, but, uh, you know, Stark County's been playing really well. This is an interesting matchup. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, we talked about the other three teams before that are all three and three. But so look, looking at the top, I guess, and certainly we're going large school versus small school here. But Farmington and Anawan Weathersfield, I think, is just intriguing, right? Just how yep. good, how good is Anawan Weathersfield playing at home against a bigger team? So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if we'll see many surprises here this week. But again, Princeville could be playing spoiler at Star County. They certainly can the way that they've been playing. Yeah, I think it's all about, you know, for, at this point, Stark County getting the, you know, continuing to get the job done, you know, to win, win the games ahead of them on their schedule. Like you said, there's potential for them to win out. And if they do, they really set themselves up in a nice position 
in what will inevitably be a gauntlet of a 1A North bracket. So it's great to see a program like Stark County, you know, kind of back up to where they had been for years traditionally, you know. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about it the other day. I think that, so I've been covering football in this area since 2005. And Mm -hmm. I want to say Jade Nord is about the only head coach that has been at the same school the entire time. Larry, I guess Larry Johnson from Geneseo would be another one. Yeah. But I was really trying to rack my brain to think of any other coaches that go back to 2005 that have been at the same school the, you know, the entire time. It's, it's one of few. So. Rick Aaron. What's that? Rick Aaron. Sure. Yep. Yep. And I, honestly, I guess what, when I think about, I wasn't, being from the Quad Cities area, right. I guess I wasn't, right. going, I wasn't going up that close to Rockford for a long time. This podcast brings us out that way, certainly. Right. So. Good call. Good call on that one. Um, yeah. So, anyway. Anakia Forreston? No, they had a couple, at least one other head coach when they, when okay. they won their state titles. Um, okay. Yeah. But, um, no, I, you know, I've always been, you know, always – always liked, you know, my interactions with coach Nord and it's good to see this program. Like I said, back, back up at this, you know, high level. Playing well, really well. Their first uh, six and zero start since they went to the state final, right? I believe so. Yeah. I think yeah. a few weeks ago we talked about, yeah. Any win they had from, you know, from that point was, you know, this first time since would that have been 2015? I think it's 2013 or 2015. Yeah. And then see, now you're going to put me on the spot and look it up. Let's see. 2015. Yes, they were in the state championship game against Arcola. They beat the Marquette Crusaders in the state semifinals. Mm. 10 to 7 on a very snowy. Ooh, a snowy game. It well, it was that was a crazy, that was a crazy weekend. We're going to go off on a tangent here. It was a game that was scheduled to be at Stark County on obviously on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. And it snowed a ton overnight in that morning. And they tried to clean off the field and it just wasn't going to happen. They, they, mm-hmm. it, it got so muddy and it just, it, they couldn't get it game ready. And so they moved it to Dunlap, Illinois, because Dunlap yeah. had turf. So it was moved to a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon. But when people got there, they had not been cleaned off yet. So Dunlap had the same amount of snow as the day before, but they hadn't cleaned it. <laughs> so they had to get, you know, shovels and tractors and yeah. stuff out there to clean it off. It was a wild scene. It was a great game. And I will always say, like, that's one of the hardest interviews I've ever had to do. Because, I, I, like I said, I, I have a lot of respect for Coach Nord and the way he leads his program. But I just saw my alma mater, Marquette, lose 10-7. And I'm just like, man, they were so close to going to a state championship game. Yeah. And I have to interview Coach Nord about how excited he is to, you know, take his kids to a state championship. But mm-hmm. it was it was tough. It was a it was an internal battle, Mitch, to be the been there, Greg. Been there. <laughs> exactly. I was with you for a Morrison right. game that was very gut wrenching for you as well. So it's yeah. it's that internal struggle as a journalist to, to do the job. And I did it. Right. I did it, but it was tough. So I want Jade Nord to know that the internal struggle was real that day on the Dunlap turf. So yeah. Anyway, anyway, side t- tangent aside, should we jump into the Northwest Upstate Illini here? Yes, we should. All right. The marquee matchup in that one, Lena Winslow gets the 48-27 win over Dupec. 
Gage Dunker, 356 yards, five touchdowns. Uh, Hoffman, Cooper Hoffman had um, 329 yards, two touchdowns. Not quite enough for the Rivermen. Panthers tie an NUIC record for consecutive wins with 25 now. That's Coach Rick Aaron's 240th win all time. Can you guess what the IHSA record is for consecutive wins? Oh man, um, would it I know, be? I, I know that I know the number, but I can't remember the team. So while you think of it, I'm going to look it up. Okay, uh, my guess would be like one of those Addison Driscoll teams that won so many state championships. Eh. Oh, okay. Um, Julia Catholic. All right, I get one more guess. I'll say. You'll what never about get like, it. what? <laughs> okay, I'll never get it. Go Take ahead. Take your please. guess. Take your guess. Maybe you will. I mean, I'll guess. I'll guess local. I'll go Geneseo. Back when they had some. You're close with that. Geneseo is second. Oh, all right. From from 1965 to 1971, Geneseo won 52 consecutive games. <laughs> wow. The, the ISSA record from 1966 to 1973 is Pittsfield with 64. Okay. That's seven, that's seven consecutive undefeated seasons. I think there was a book written about IHSA football several years ago, and um, there was a section about Pittsfield. Okay. And, I, and when I read that part of the book, I thought I had never really been familiar with that school. So that, that does I do recall that a little bit. So that, that's good stuff there. The uh, the maybe the most recent one or modern one would be uh, Boylan Catholic from 2010 to 2012 had 39 straight wins. Wow, that's one I would not have been on my radar. I wouldn't, wouldn't have called that out. So, but 64, yeah. 64 yeah. straight wins. That's that's incredible. Mitch, did you have your eyes on this one for a little while Friday night? Yeah, I did. And, and certainly we had Kyle on the ground there and just, it was, it was over early. I, I mean, look, I, I mean, no, no disrespect to Dupec because we're, we're big fans of, of the Riverman program. And, but it's just, it's hard to, it's hard to really say anything that we haven't said before about what Lena Winslow has been doing for the past couple of years. Um, and, and quick, quick side note. We, we talked about uh, Braden Little on the very close almost one list. Gage Dunker is definitely on there, as yeah. is Cooper Hoffman. Cooper Hoffman won a couple weeks ago. Yep. Um, Gage Dunker, 356 and five. I mean, unbelievable in a big game like this. But again, when they, they, they slowed down Dupec, Dupec scored late, I believe. They scored a couple touchdowns late. But this was, I think they. Gage Dunker scored on the second play from scrimmage or something like that. Is that what Kyle said? It was like a 75-yard touchdown. Yeah, it sounds on, right. On the first plays. So, you know, it, again, it's it's just so impressive what Lee Wynn has been able to do week in and week out. Playing against a bigger school, a 3A team here, an undefeated 3A team, a really good undefeated 3A team, and they, they, just, they just ran away with it. So we talk a lot about – that one North bracket and the exception is Lee Wynn because it still runs through them. The whole, the whole one, a state is going to run through them this year, the way that they've been playing. Yep. So they sit on top of the Northwest upset Illini. No surprise. That's kind of what we expect. They're up there 
right with Forreston. That's the yep. other game we're kind of waiting to see here. But I will say that I think that this win over Lena Winslow really shows not just me. I think it shows a lot of people that Lee Wynn may be above and beyond anybody in the conference. I mean, right. Forreston still has a chance to, you know, to play that spoiler. And there's certainly, you know, they've earned their wins too. But just the way that Dupec has won their games has been really impressive. So mm-hmm. you never know what happens on, you know, any given Friday night. But right we've now, it's, well, we've we've seen it before with Forreston, with Lee right. Winslow. So it's, again, not saying that Lee Wynn is just this, you know, uncatchable beast, but they play like it. And it's hard to see how they get caught, but it, it can happen because it has before. One of the one of the best Friday nights on this podcast was week nine a few years ago when you you texted yeah. me freaking out that Forreston pulled off the win. So yeah, it's certainly yeah, it's certainly possible. I just I just noticed this, so I want to say it before I forget. But now Forreston leads with their with the the top opponent record. Their opponents have sixteen wins <laughs> remaining. Here in their last three weeks, they play GCMS, which is five and one, Dupec five and one, and then Lena six and zero. Oh, so wow, yeah, yeah. We'll, get, we'll get to we'll get to force in a minute. Six and zero, oh, playing great. The absolute hardest part of the schedule, maybe the hardest remaining three games of anyone we cover. Yeah, that's that's a gauntlet. Yeah, to end there. So they'll again, they'll they certainly looked good. They'll have to prove it. They'll have to beat some good teams down the way here. Yep. Um, well, we'll get to them in a second, but Fulton had a win over Galena, 18-7. to The only leading by five, Balen Damehoff picked off a Galena pass late in the fourth quarter. That set up a steamer touchdown to seal the win. Dom Kramer threw a 16-yard touchdown pass to Damehoff. He also threw a 14-yard touchdown pass to Jacob Husengay to lead the steamers. A.J. Boardman had a 29-yard Fulton touchdown as well, so... Another win for Fulton. Four in a row. Yeah, four in a row. I was going to say, after that tough start with two really quality opponents, they're now sitting at four and two. So right up there in the mix. Yeah, with, with Dupec uh, coming into town, and then they got to go to Knoxville. So finishing with West Carroll, so I, I, I don't have any doubt that they'll get to five wins, but if they can pick up a win here in these next two weeks, I think that'll go a long way for Fulton. Oh, Mitch, do reg- I? Reg- regardless, a really impressive you know, performance from coach lower these past four weeks, a, a tough start to play yeah. Forrest and Lee win in your first two weeks. Um, and, and then to win your next four. So great job from the steamers. Mitch, maybe I'm going to Fulton this week. Hey, Fulton Dupec. That'd be a fun one to check out. You could do Fulton Morrison. Yeah, definitely could do that. Yeah. There you go. There you go. The so. problem is, man, that's two great matchups and I'm going to have to leave one early on. That's the bummer. Yeah. 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 All right, but well, that, that's we got some WRMJ coverage at Morrison, so maybe yeah, go to Fulton and then <laughs> I don't know where you would go from there. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes if I go to Fulton though, they want to send me back over the river into Iowa. And I don't really no, want to go no, no, no. <laughs> All right. Co- couple more scores here. Forreston, as we talked about, they get the win twenty two to eight over Stockton. Owen Mulder, seventy one yards rushing and two touchdowns. Micah Nelson equaled him with seventy one yards rushing. Caleb Sanders also had 38 yards and a rushing touchdown. So credit to Forreston. Like we said, they continue to get the job done. They're not necessarily putting up the big time flashy scores, you know, but they are continuing to win football games. So grind it out, get the wins. They're sitting at six and oh. 
yeah, and, and running by committee. So it's it's hard to really lock in on on any player when you're doing prep work because they've got a handful of guys who can get the job done. So yeah, doing forcing doing forcing things. They're six and zero. They're in the playoffs, regardless of what they have here coming up in the next three weeks. But uh, again, it's a great test for them to see how they stack up against the the rest of the one A. Yeah, I'm as always when we start talking week seven, eight, nine. I love the matchups in the NUIC. You always want to see some of these big tests, and these are what we've been waiting for. And on the flip side, for Stockton sitting at two and four, I think they can win their next three games. I really oh, what do. Do, yeah. What do we got here? Call yeah. So they got they got they got West Carroll. Again, no no offense to the the folks in Savannah. Shout out the original Mannies. Um, they'll get a win there, and then they play Dakota and Galena. So two teams that. I don't want to say they're, they've been kind of, well, yeah, I guess. Again, no offense. Galena's lost four in a row, and Dakota has one win against a, an unbeaten, or sorry, a, a winless West Carroll, but they had lost four in a row prior to that. So we've been impressed with Stockton. We've been impressed the way that they played. They played really well against Lena Winslow. They played well against Fulton and then got their win against EPC, So and, and tough here against Forreston. So I do think that we might see Stockton in the playoffs. I think that week nine matchup potentially between Stockton and Galena could be, you know, could be something to watch for. Now, that being said, it'll be, it'll be Stockton, I think, would be playing for the playoff spot. Galena right, yeah, still has Lena Winslow. Win. Yeah. yeah. So that's tough for Galena, but I think that Galena would have the chance to potentially play spoiler for a sure. Stockton team looking for that playoff berth. So. Yep. Sure. That'll be something to watch for there. Couple more scores. Eastland Pearl City, 40 to 15 over Aurora Central Catholic. Jackson Kempel, Kempel rushed for 104 yards and a touchdown on 10 carries. Draven Zaire rushed for 81 yards, two touchdowns. And Will Burchin added 37 yards rushing and two touchdowns as well. Two touchdowns on six carries. So good job there by Will. Yep. That's Eastland Pearl City's first win of the year so congratulations to the wildcats there they got lena winslow this week then they have west carroll and dakota so there could be a few more maybe a couple more wins there to build a little confidence heading into next year yeah i think so um you know that would match their record from from last year so yeah good good for them to get their first win of the year it's been a tough a tough road for them but like you said still still some opportunity to finish strong Yep. And you also had Dakota getting the win 48 to nothing over West Carroll. So let's move into week seven, Dakota at Galena, Forreston taking on Gibson city, Melvin Sibley, Fulton going on the, or Fulton staying at home and hosting Dupec. You have Eastland Pearl city at Lena Winslow and West Carroll taking on Stockton. So looking at these matchups, you know, Every year, the last few years, we've had this Forreston, Gibson City, Melvin, Sibley matchup, the non-conference matchup. It's always a good one, and this year is yeah. no different. It's 6-0 and Forreston against a 5-1 and GCMS, so that should be a good one to start here. Is, are, are they 1A or are they 2A? I think that they will be 1A. They're always kind of on the border, right? Yeah, we'll have to check on that. And <laughs> I, I just said that Forsen held the record. 
but we don't we don't recover GCMS. But their remaining three opponents have 17 wins. They play two undefeated teams, then they play a five and one Hayworth team. So tough tough sledding here for for the Falcons there in GCMS. So yeah, this will be a great game. It always it's always a classic matchup. Two really historically good teams that you always think about when you think about small school Illinois football. So um, forced at home. We'll see yep. what, what they can do against a good a good Mustang or sorry a good Falcons team. Yep. And I think the other big matchup here is uh, Dupec going on the road to Fulton. I think this yep. is a great opportunity for one of these teams to really kind of prove themselves. Great opportunity for Dupec to bounce back, grab a win here, you know, kind of get back on the right track. And yep. for Fulton, you know, they want to keep things going here. You know, the tough start against Lena Winslow and Forreston. Now they have a chance, a good opportunity here against a good Dupec team you know, to catch them and really put themselves on the upper echelon of this Northwest Upstate Illini Conference. Yeah, two good quarterbacks there in that matchup with with Kramer and Hoffman. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't I don't foresee any surprises anywhere else, but you know, I think that, I think Lena, Lena Winslow Stockton will all pick up wins. So the other two games might be toss-ups. So looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, I would say go to Bolton because I think that'll be that'll be a good game against Dupac. Yeah, that one, I, I like that one. That That may be where I end up. We'll have to see what the, uh, you know, what the swings look like, where, where Dazzo <laughs> needs me to go, what, what they need shot, but that's a good one. Yeah. But if they try and say to Clinton, don't like, just don't. <laughs> okay. Well, quickly, we'll, we'll look through the standings here. Like we said, Forreston and Lena Winslow are on top sitting at six and zero, five and zero in conference play. I guess Forreston's actually six and zero in conference play. They have their non-conference game this week. Dupex right behind them at five and one. You have Fulton at four and two. And then going down the way, Galena sitting at two and three in conference play and two and three overall. Stockton one and four in conference play, two and four overall. So, you know, like we said, it's that Forreston, Lee Wynn, Dupec, and Fulton all trying to trying to make, you know, statements, trying to get them there's their names up near the top yeah. of this conference, this very tough Northwest upstate Illini. All right, well, let's take one more quick break to thank a sponsor, and we'll be right back talking eight-man football. The Quad City's first and only fantasy football show, For Fantasy Sake, has you all covered when it comes to all of your fantasy football needs. The guys come to you live every Sunday morning during the football season from 10 to 1130. They've got the best analysis, rankings, DFS, and gambling advice between The Rock and Mississippi Rivers. So tune in to For Fantasy Sake every Sunday during the football season from 10 to 1130 a.m., on Facebook and YouTube. Welcome back to View from the West podcast. We're wrapping things up with eight-man football. And before we jump into the results and the games coming up next week, let's talk about the NUIC eight-man state rankings, courtesy of NUICfootball.com. You have Amboy up at number one. They're undefeated at 6-0. and Number two, Milledgeville at 5-1. and Number three, Polo, 5-1. and Number four, St. Thomas Moore got the big win. We'll talk about this week. They're undefeated 6-0. Ridgewood has been playing tough. They're number five at 4-2. Number six is Martinsville. Number seven, South Beloit. Number eight is South Fork. Number nine, Milford Cisna Park. And number 10, Flanagan Cornell Woodland. A couple teams receiving votes, West Prairie and Pawnee, both at 4-2. So we'll start with the big matchup. It was number one and number two in the state rankings in eight-man it stays that way as Amboy holds the number one spot. They get the 32-20 to 20 win over Milledgeville. Great, much-anticipated game, hyped up. 
Amboy, they, they, you know, they get the job done here. Reading the article from the Sauk Valley um, newspaper coverage from Cody Cutter, Amboy's Landon Welchel said that last week's win over Ridgewood, which was a really close game, kind of served as a wake-up call for them and that they were ready to go this week. They were, you know, they were fired up to play this Milledgeville team. Amboy jumped out early. They led 16-6 at half, but this Milledgeville team would not go away. Connor Nye connected with Carter Livingood for a 44-yard touchdown. In the third, they narrowed it down to a 16-12 lead for the Clippers. Then it was Nye adding a five-yard touchdown run. That would give the Missiles the 20-16 lead, but Amboy continued to have the answers. Welchel with a 56-yard touchdown run. That would grab the lead back for the Clippers for good. He would go on to lead the Clippers 214 yards, three touchdowns. So, you know, a great effort from Landon Welchel and this Clipper team to get the job done against a good Milledgeville team. Yeah, one of the one of the most anticipated matchups that we we saw coming for a couple of weeks. So, great win for Amboy. Um, as you mentioned, they they had a tough game against Ridgewood last week. Maybe set them up for success here against Milledgeville. So, but not to take anything away from what Milledgeville has been doing this year, and this this could be a potential state championship game. You know, a rematch could happen in, in the state championship. I should say depending on how everything shakes out. So maybe, maybe not the last time we see these two really good teams play against each other this year. Yeah, honestly, I hope not. I hope they play again because it'd be great. Right. I think, you know, they, they play great football. You know, I think this is a great win for Amboy because I think a lot of the, even though they were the number one ranked team, I think Milledgeville was kind of pulling in some of the headlines. I think after that win over Polo a few weeks back, I think Milledgeville was, you know, the team kind of, Maybe not favorite in this game, but I think they were getting a lot of the publicity, yep. especially considering that, you know, Amboy had just played that close game against against Ridgewood. So, yep. but there you go. That, you know, that served as the, why as you, the wake why up you call. Play, that's why you play the game, I guess. But, Absolutely. I mean, de- deservedly so for that that praise from Millsville because they've been really, really good this year. They're still yep. going to finish out really strong and be a, be a contender moving yep. into the playoffs. Yep. Couple more scores here from the eight-man division. Polo gets the big win, sixty-four to nothing over Unity Christian. Mitch, one of my favorite stats ever is when a player can rush for a touchdown, can pass for a touchdown, and have a receiving touchdown. The yep. trifecta. Brock Soltau does it. He rushes for one hundred and twenty-four yards and a touchdown on five carries. He caught two passes for thirty-two yards and a touchdown. And he threw a 48-yard touchdown pass to Noah Dewey on his only passing attempt of the game. I love it. I love when a player can do that. It's great. Didn't didn't that just happen? Was I, it Soltau who just did it like recently? Well, we were talking about Soltau has done has oh, his had season stats. his season, season stats season included stats? Okay. all three. Yep. So I, I still could swear maybe it was not an eight-man game that somebody did that. But yeah, like you. You said it, when you have that sort of versatility and you can score multiple different ways for your team, uh, we like that a lot. Yep. Well, a few more. Ridgewood bounces back. They get the big 44 to nothing win over Peoria Heights. Martinsville gets the 26 to 6 win over Blue Ridge. West Central gets a victory over Bushnell Prairie City, 36-34. Isaiah, yeah, exactly. I was just going to say, that's a nice win for the Heat. Isaiah Steven gets... 365 yards and five touchdowns. So great effort from him and the Heat. Congrats on that win. And the game on Saturday, the game that Edgy Tim was at. Edgy Tim took in his first ever eight-man football game, walking the sidelines in South Beloit. 
St. Thomas More, 58-28 over the Sobos. So a nice win for St. Thomas More. They're, you know, the eight-man division always kind of runs through the Northwest Upstate Illini. But yep. man, I'll tell you what, this St. Thomas More team looks really tough this year. Can I ask an important question? Yes. What's a Sobo? I believe South Beloit. It's just, a... they just, that's their nickname though? Yeah, the Sobos. Yeah. Okay. Doesn't is it, uh, I want to, it's like, a, it's like a Duhawk from Loris. Could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, sure. Okay. Just wondering. That's all. <laughs> that is an important question. So, well, yeah, yeah St. Thomas More looking good. They get the win. Yeah. South Beloit's having a good season. They just fall a little bit short against a good team here. So, let's move down the way into week seven. Amboy at AFC, River Ridge goes up against Quest Academy, Milledgeville at Pawnee, Polo goes up against Blue Ridge. So, you know, not necessarily the huge marquee matchups this week, but that Milledgeville yep. one against Pawnee, Pawnee's sitting at four and two. So it's a road challenge for the Missiles to bounce back here. Yeah, see if they can, you know, bounce back mentally after a tough loss. So. Yeah, they've they've proven that they can do it all season. So I I, I like I like the road. Sorry, the missiles here uh, going on the road. But yeah, like you said, we're we're winded down here in the eight man season. But this this week this week doesn't have a whole lot of great matchups. But I just keep thinking towards the playoffs because we're going to see a lot of the great rematches that we had during the regular season. Once we get there, a team we talked about making a playoff push, Orangeville. They've won two in a row. They have Rockford Christian Life this week on the road. Rockford Christian Life is three and three. Orangeville's no. three and three. So that's yep. a big matchup for them. They have Amboy in week eight, and then they have uh, Peoria Quest in week nine, who's zero and six right now. So yep. I think these two matchups, you know, sandwiched around that Amboy game, are big. You want to get this win this week against Christian Life, and then hopefully you can grab that win against Quest charter if you don't win against amboy right. if you don't pull the upset there to give orangeville yeah. that shot at the playoffs um river ridge like we said they'll host quest academy this week they're sitting at three and three they also have west prairie in week eight and alden hebron in week nine so i think there's a chance that they can get to five wins be a playoff team as well so and polo this week will go on the road like we referenced to Blue Ridge, Blue Ridge is only, or sorry, Polo's at home against Blue Ridge. Blue Ridge is two and four on the season. They have Quest Academy in week eight, and they have Amboy in week nine. That should be a fun week nine matchup when you're looking yep. at Polo and Amboy there. So, yep. all right, Mitch, I think that about wraps us up this week. Sounds like we got through it all, Greg. Um, yep. Just kind of looking, looking back at what we're, gonna see this week i don't i don't know if there's a there's a ton of marquee marquee games but western big six quincy and sterling i think is going to be a lot of fun um you move into the track you've got morrison rock ridge llc you've got i'll say it's star county and, and princeville and uic fulton and, and dupec so um yeah there, there's a lot of uh, still a lot to play for even though we're, we're getting into week seven lot to play for, for, for a lot of teams and uh, looking forward to seeing how things shake out. Yeah. Um, what do you say? Maybe next week, Mitch, we'll do a little homework. Maybe we find some teams from outside of our area 
that we're okay. looking at in each of the classes, you know, in mainly we're looking, when we look playoffs, we're looking at one a through four a or five a, but we'll certainly, you know, look up at the, you know, what Quincy might face in their bracket. But right. what do you say we start looking at the playoff picture and seeing some teams that we can educate our listeners on, you know, teams to watch for. Yeah. Well, it's never too early to start prepping for the, uh, the NUIC playoff preview show. Um, yeah, absolutely. But also yes. just to, you know, just to get, like you said, if it's, if it's Quincy or if it's Moline or some of these, these schools that play higher classes and they'll play against teams that, you know, we don't even know where they are. Um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a good idea to kind of, we got, we got a good handle on things here. Let's say that. So we yep. start branching out just to see what, what we might be seeing here in boy, three weeks time. Crazy. Yep. Well, that's uh, that'll be our homework for next week. But before we get to that, we'll have the instant reacts, of course, on Friday night. It'll be a good one. We'll bring yep. in the bring in the guys from WRMJ, Ty Taylor and Jim Taylor. Both the Taylors will be covering the the games in the track. They'll be here to talk about them. We'll of course have the you know the guys from the score will be here. Mitch, you'll be here. So it'll be another yep. full boat, another packed show, but it'll be good. So. Thank you to everyone who tunes in, who listens to the Instant Reacts, who tunes in every week and listens to this podcast. We really appreciate your listening. We really appreciate your support. And Mitch, it's been really cool. I know, like, just for me, going out to games every week now, and, you know, each week I go out and there's people that recognize, you know, recognize me or recognize us from doing the podcast and putting out those videos. So it's been really cool. And people come up and say they love the show. They listen every yeah. week. So, uh Yeah. Yeah, we uh, as we as we always say, we we thank everyone for for the support. I've I've heard it more this year than in years past. So, yeah, we we really appreciate that you guys enjoy the the coverage and the work that that we've put into it, and uh, we enjoy doing it. All right, Mitch, we'll be uh we'll be talking throughout the week, but we'll be texting back and forth on Friday night, and we'll be yep. we'll be jumping in the studio to record the instant reacts on the uh, late Friday and see where these games end up. Yep, that's right. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at ViewFromWestPod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, ViewFromWestPod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.